Monique ACA. I'm a little nervous. I'll explain why later. But um, I decided to choose um, <clears throat> just like two little paragraphs on um, about becoming your own loving parent, which now I'm like really like listening when they read about that in the beginning. Um, so it is page 297 and it's the last um, paragraph. So I'll go ahead and start. Um, parenting ourselves as children and reparenting ourselves as adults has important distinction. Um, we were alone as children and we were forced to grow up too soon. We are not alone as we reparent ourselves in ACA. Through recovery, we use reparenting to connect with ourselves and others in a healthy manner. Reparenting also gives us a chance to reclaim our childhood years in a more supportive light. We can use reparenting to salvage our displaced childhood years. We can reclaim and restage those childhood years. We do not fictionalize our childhood, but we can take the time to see how vulnerable, courageous, and loving we were as children. We can give ourselves the care we gave others. This is how we go forward in life, by knowing where we came from and how we survived to get here. And then at the uh, page 301, um, <clears throat> that said, we know that picking up the, phone, the telephone or asking for help is not easy for us. Most adult children are compulsively self-reliant. We learned in childhood to avoid asking for help or, accept, or that accepting help came with strings attached. We can try to work ACA alone or with limited input from a sponsor. The program that we fashion for ourselves is, is different than uh, the ACA program, so we struggle. At the same time, other ACA members can be compulsive talkers <laughs> uh, who think that calling someone and talking at great length about their issues is asking for help. These adult children rarely take direction or accept helpful suggestions that would lead to change. Typically, these adult children do not consider the need for a love and parent or focus step work. And I'll end there because I will totally ADA myself and um, get off topic by reading too much. But I, the reason why I chose those two um, paragraphs or just this like topic was because, um, you know, I've been going through a lot since uh, I would say, I mean, overall. But since, um, and I'll focus on like what exactly it is, but since about June, where I had to step in as, I didn't even know that I was doing the um, becoming my love and parent. Um, I think in ACA, I'll have about three years in a month or so um, that I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what inner child was. I didn't know what the love parent, what, what does that mean? You know, um, and so the last few months and even Friday, I, um, I'm, you know, I, I was in situations where that love and parent had to come out and I didn't even know it was like, kind of like almost sneaky. And I was like, Oh, I didn't react. I'm not a reactor. Um, so I mean, not all the time, but you know, I, I, I literally realized it took me like a day to realize, um, that was the love and parent, how I reacted, how I stood up for myself, how I stepped in and advocated for myself. But like I, when AC, I didn't know that that's what it was. You know what I mean? Um, I come, I'll go just a quick background. I, um, I grew up in Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn and I grew up in a single parent household. Um, my mom left my dad when, um, I guess I was like four. She thought having a kid, me, would 
solve stuff and maybe get my dad sober, but it didn't. Um, my mom is definitely hardcore ACA, like martyr, narcissist, blah, blah, blah. My dad is the one that wasn't around and in and out of jail his whole life, drug addict. I, for whatever reason, thought that if he wasn't in my life, I wouldn't <laughs> be affected. Little did I know. Um, and so he just wasn't around, literally. Um, and when he would come and go, you know, clean, not clean, in jail, um, was very sporadic. And then for a good 10 years, he, um, you know, I kind of like set a hard boundary down and I told him that um, if he wasn't gonna show up anymore, you know, that I don't wanna have anything to do with him. And, and that's what happened. And he resurfaced or we, my mother found him um, in jail. She somehow looked him up and, you know, it was kind of like that show, This Is Us. I was like, when I watched that show, I was like, oh my God, you know, finding my dad that was in jail, used to be a drug addict, dying of cancer, three months left. And that was it, the end. So I was left with a lot of like anger and, and like, why couldn't he do this and that? You know, and my mom throughout the years, um, she had married two men in that time that were rageaholics. Now, my mom comes from a background that was a junkie household. My grandmother died of AIDS. She got it from her husband, my mother's stepfather, who was a drug addict. Um, both sides have lots of addicts and alcoholics. Um, I, I think I'm the only one that got sober. I don't know. My mom, growing up, we didn't have any, we didn't keep in touch with either side because they were both toxic and my mom wanted to you know, protect us. So I don't know still to say how to like, like keep in touch with even family members that come up, you know? Um, but anyways, um, so that's just a little bit of my background and, you know, from 10 to 16, my mom, um, so, you know, my mom repeated her mother's relationships, which means marrying people that were violent. Um, there was a lot of instability. Um, I mean, there's so much, we moved around so much in Brooklyn when someone asked me, where I'm from in Brooklyn, I'm like, I don't know, South Side, like I don't, you know, everywhere. But um, so what really impacted me a lot um, was from 10 to 16. I mean, everything did. But she married somebody um, who was uh, from Israel, and they decided to convert. So I had to convert eventually to Judaism. I was Orthodox for a few years. I have tattoos now, but you know, back then it was like insane. Um, to go from making your communion to being kosher, orthodox, Shabbos, you know, uh, I had to learn Hebrew. Eventually we moved to Israel and the rage and the, the physical abuse and everything got worse. And my mom had two kids with him and, you know, escaped Israel and we came back here. Um, but she did the same thing with my, my dad, moved to Puerto Rico. Um, <laughs> Um, half Puerto Rican and um, so you know whatever so from 10 to 16 like there was a lot of like physical abuse I just realized last three years ago going to therapy they said that I have PTSD from a violent childhood so I'm gonna go into in a few minutes about a situation that like literally brought up so much AC stuff that I had to have I, I realized like the, the, the living parent had to step in because it was a ch the I guess their inner child that was reacting which related to my um, upbringing when she was with this guy and uh and then she she finally left him at 16 but it kind of was like so much damage was done that i soon became this like outspoken loud um you know quick with my tongue um you know very like just <sighs> angry 
very angry. Um, you know, I, I used to be, I used to pride in like, you know, I was really quick with my words and I knew what to say, you know, and I was very like defensive and, uh, I mean, probably slim, but like, you know, I had to protect myself because growing up, she didn't protect us. You know, this guy was abusive. There were so many red flags in the beginning. I can't understand to say why she like went ahead and got married or married him and moved us to Israel. And so, so all that, just to give you background to relate to like what has been going on. Um, you know, I didn't feel like I had a parent. I didn't feel like my mom listened. I didn't feel, I felt unheard. Um, Oh, I have a tissue box. <laughs> I don't want to start crying. Um, I wasn't protected. So I learned quickly not to rely on anyone. Uh, if I was louder, I mean, this guy was six one, you know what I mean? He would hit us and stuff or me. And I would, I would either like fight him back, you know, I didn't care and I didn't stop and I continued. And so I just, you know, where it says like self, I think reliance somewhere, you know, um, you know, I was a co-parent too, while my mom was a single parent when she left him four kids. Um, I don't like to ask for help that has changed in a few years because then I think I'm going to owe somebody or they're going to throw it in my face or I'm going to seem weak. So for me, I just don't want to rely on somebody. But now I'll go into this. Uh, I see I have almost five minutes left. The situation, um, you know, I'm a little nervous to share about it sometimes because it happened in a predominantly white room in another fellowship. And that was a self-triggering and that made me uh, facilitate a POC space that I felt safe. And so safety is a big deal for me now. Um, you know, the situation involved another other person uh, that was harassing and stalked me and they happened to be white. And it became a whole thing where I felt, um, I said I felt unsafe and um, and I had a police report. And the meeting, um, unfortunately, at the business meeting, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't heard. I was muted. I mean, there's so much crazy, insane stuff that you have fear of not being heard and protected by a home group and literally everything like I left. Thank you. Um, that I had fear around happened and it was really devastating. And I'm still dealing with it because every space I have to go now, I have to say, I have a police report. And I thought, and maybe it was at the time that my loving parent was continue to show up at those business meetings of that meeting. And I had people and I asked them for help and they showed up, you know, and they allied with me. And um, I guess for a certain time, I thought advocating for myself was a lot of apparent and maybe it was, but after a certain time, I couldn't kind of recover with this, you know, and the love and parent had to step in again. And I think it was a teenager that was like, no, I'm going to keep going back and advocate that this was not, no one should go through this, you know? and saying that I feel unsafe and unheard. So, you know, it just reminded me when I was at, uh, from 10 to 16 uh, to speak up or, or the obvious, you know, that my mom wasn't protective and I wasn't supported at all. So me saying this in an, in the other fellowship and or any fellowship that I, you know, I don't want to seem weak. I don't want to be a victim, you know, because that would slow me down. And that would mean I would have to feel, you know? And so when I had to ask for people to help or show up, people of color, you know, white, brown, black, or whatever, to come to the meeting, to the business meeting, so I feel safe to speak up and say that this is not okay, to me in that time was me speaking up um, when I couldn't, or, or just as an adult, you know? And to create the safe space meant that some I had to let go of some friendships. I had to literally create a safe space around me um 
And that meeting wasn't safe. And I, you know, and I kept going back and I said to myself, what am I, like I have, the parent had to re-step in and I stepped away and I, I don't go to those business meetings anymore because, you know, it was getting like, I was trying to control or oversee the outcome or their process. And, you know, that's when the higher power had to come in and I had to be, you know, I'm not, I can walk away from this. It's fine. It's okay. And I, in my head, I didn't want to be like that victim again, but you know, it is, it is, it was a traumatizing PTS experience that I still, you know, I had to deal with something. I have too many. Okay. Real quickly on Friday in another fellowship and I had to say the same thing. You know, I have a police report and went to the chair and the way they reacted was kind of on the similar ways of, you know, how the, um, group reacted in that time and I had to again step in and I didn't react and I said to them in the end I said you know I asked you to please be more mindful and aware of how you're speaking to somebody when they say they feel unsafe and they have a police report and emotional you know and and the person apologized on a public way in their share to me I mean you know anonymously but you know I had to like two minutes left Thank you. I, I was surprised that I didn't immediately react. Kind of this like mature loving parent stepped in and, you know, let that woman know. I was like, that's not okay how you, you know, it was like a lot of victim blaming. Well, what do you want me to do? And like, who came here first? I was like, I couldn't believe it. And I was crying in the middle of uh, this AA meeting on Friday. And, you know, I had friends there and other people, fellows. So I felt a little safer. But, you know, this experience is like life changing. It changed my recovery. Um, I'm, I'm still like nervous to share in a space that's predominantly white as a, as a biracial person, um, stuff did come out of it, good stuff and I'm working on it, but you know, I didn't want to admit that it really affected me because I was so emotional Friday and saying that I didn't feel safe. And that woman didn't like, you know, she was like, well, what do you want me to do? You know? So I'm having trouble with the other fellowship in general. And, you know, I came to the business meeting last week and I felt okay, but it is very triggering to talk about this because it is the, the, um, the fear of not being believed or gaslit or victim blaming, like literally that all happened in this other business meeting. And, um, and I just am nervous about it. So I'm learning how to like be okay as the parent comes in, the loving parent, and asking for help and letting people know, you know, that I'm feeling this way, you know, that I shouldn't be getting over it, or, you know, it's gonna take a long time, you know, because um, this is my recovery space. And unfortunately, this person that I have a report against has come to ACA and goes to AA. So I've never dealt with this before. And this is the first time, and I'm trying my best, you know, I'm really trying my best. And, um, you know, I asked my higher power for just to be gentle with myself because I'm not naturally, really not. And, you know, I think coming to this program, you know, the more gentle I'm with myself, I'm, thank you. I heard that, um, the more compassion I can have with people and, you know, be more gentle and soft. But I think it's really important now that I realize that is the loving parent that's coming into play especially during this time, um, and that it's okay to be, um, that I'm having these feelings, you know? So thanks for letting me, um, share my experience on that.